Well, um, I divide uh, the uh, age of the universe in three uh, chunks. Um, and, and I don't only mean the uh, semi-line that goes from today to back to the Big Bang. I mean the entire uh, duration. 13.7 billion years from Big Bang to today, uh, when a chunk of atoms, or actually two chunks of atoms, are talking to each other and uh, doing things, having dreams, uh, uh, big ambitions, or uh, just a desire to, to understand. Uh, and whether this lasts a uh, hundred years or a million years, there will be uh, another period of time when uh, our respective uh, atom clouds are going to dissolve and uh, the universe will keep going, right? That is why I feel such a joy and, 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 and so much passion and curiosity about what is happening today because it really disappears in, a, in an eye blink uh, with respect to those uh, two incredibly long time horizons. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to tell you about today's show sponsor, Carta. Carta simplifies how startups manage equity, track cap tables, and get valuations. Go to carta.com slash syndicate to get 10% off and learn more about how they can help you with managing your complicated cap table and keeping investors happy. Are you going organic, keto, paleo, some type of diet for incredible performance? You want the healthiest foods delivered to your doorstep fast and easy? Well, you should check out today's show sponsor, Thrive Market, the best organic online grocery store in the States. They've got gluten-free lentils and breads, chemical-free cleaners, organic coconut milk, all at up to 50% off delivered to your door with a subscription to Thrive Market's awesome online health store. Listeners get a bonus 25% off their first order, up to 20 bucks when you use our link, disruptors.fm thrive. Check it out. They've got just about everything at rock bottom prices for, for best in class quality, regardless of how you're eating. And I know I switch it up. I'm sure you guys do as well. Disruptors.fm slash thrive for more details. I spent all day today writing. I love coffee, but I hate jitters. I was at Starbucks and I'm a little bit bouncing off the walls. That's why I'm pumped to tell you guys about today's show sponsor, Four Sigmatics Lion's Mane Blend. If you haven't tried Lion's Mane or the other awesome mushrooms that this Finnish company is putting out there, I definitely recommend it. Between the podcast, books, startup coaching, and life as a dad, I need to be switched on and creative in a big way. And Four Sigmatics proprietary blend, it's got only 40 milligrams of caffeine for creative, natural, drug-free productivity to power your day without the crash, side effects, or addiction. And you know what? The flavor, it's awesome. Listeners, if you go to disruptors.fm slash FS, you'll save 10% off anything from Four Sigmatic. They've got some incredible superfood blends. I recommend checking out their Four Mushroom blend as well. And you know what? You'll get free shipping anywhere in the US. Again, that's disruptors.fm slash FS. Use offer code disruptors to save 10% and to take it to the next level. Tim Ferriss recommends this to everybody. Jonathan Levy, one of the awesome guests we had, our Superhuman Academy all-star, he loves it as well. And it's powering elite performers like you everywhere. Do you meditate? I know I do. And we've talked about it a ton on the podcast. The benefits are enormous. We had Ariel Garten on the program a while back, and she founded this company called Muse. They make a neurofeedback, i.e. brain sensing device that helps meditators, anyone really, learn to control their mind and quiet their thoughts. The science is great, and neurofeedback helps meditators achieve zen level results in less time. I'm a big fan of meditation, as you guys probably know. 
and Muse is hooking listeners up with 15% off when they use our link. Disruptors.fm slash Muse. That's M-U-S-E. Disruptors.fm slash Muse. If you want to take your meditation and mind to the next level. And now let's get on with the program. Welcome to The Disruptors, the podcast about the future of all of us, where we look at the technologies, trends, and societal norms shaping our collective future. Hear the world's top minds share their insights and predictions on the convergence, direction, and ethics of exponential technologies transforming life as we know it. You can learn more and stay up to date at disruptors.fm. If you had to rewrite the entire fabric of society, from government and politics to money and finance, trust and corporations, everything, how would you do it? How would you even consider doing it, especially to make something better than what we have today? Today, we're going to discuss that. We've got David Orban on the program. He's an entrepreneur, author, and keynote speaker, founder and managing partner of Network Society Ventures, a seed stage global investment firm focused on innovative startups at the intersection of exponential tech and decentralized networks. He was an early adopter in blockchain, invested in Bitcoin before it was 10 bucks, was the first to own Ether during Ether's launch, and led to the adoption and growth of the blockchain industry. He's invested in blockchain capital, Bancor, Swarm Fund, and many others. And he's keynoted quite a few blockchain and other summits. He's a mentor for the Teal Fellowship, a scientific advisory board member for the Lifeboat Foundation, and a faculty and advisory member of Singularity University. He's also the advisor to Humanity Plus. We're going to talk about all of this and much, much more with an incredibly interesting guy who's more or less done it all. Today, we'll discuss the future of blockchains and cryptocurrency, why he invested before Bitcoin was 10 bucks, which industries blockchain has the biggest potential to disrupt, the reason government and governance will radically change in the coming years. I push him on a lot of these, by the way. So these aren't your blanket blockchain answers. Why David thinks on a thousand year time horizon and just might live to see it happen. How David thinks about isolationism and the future of nation states. The future of micropayments and money, especially when it comes to robotics. The model for a sustainable Mars colony and what needs to happen. And why David is so bullish on clean meat and hydroponics for the future of food, especially in space. This one was a ton of fun. You guys are really going to enjoy this. And since today's episode is about cryptocurrency and blockchain, if you guys want to make a crypto donation to the Disruptors, you can do that. Disruptors.fm slash support. You can find information on how to send us Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever cryptocurrency that you have and would like to support us with. That still is a tax deductible donation if you are a U.S. citizen or paying U.S. taxes. So you can write it off. You don't have to pay it to Uncle Sam. Again, Disruptors.fm slash support. And if you just want to make a regular donation, Disruptors.fm slash Patreon. You can find us there and support us and unlock bonus episodes. But you know what? That's enough of that. We try to do this so that you don't have to listen to ads. You can listen to awesome. And today we've got awesome. Before we get started, got a really quick announcement. The Disruptors is partnering up with Aubrey de Grey to offer you guys a free, limited time, signed copy of Ending Aging, Aubrey's book. If you want to get a copy of that, you can enter into our sweepstakes. Just go to disruptors.fm slash aging. That's A-G-I-N-G aging and you can register to win this book there's a lot of different ways that you can enter and get more chances to win from following us on twitter to subscribing on youtube and a whole bunch of other things that you can do but if you're interested in getting a free signed copy of aubrey's book go to disruptors.fm aging and you can enter to win there aubrey was a really interesting guy it was incredible having him on the podcast to be able to have one of the leading longevity researchers in the world the giveaway will be running from january 29th to february 5th so you have one week from the release 
release of this podcast episode, essentially, to enter. Make sure that you do that and take action if you want to get this book signed from Aubrey himself right to you. Again, that's disruptors.fm slash aging for more details and how you can register. And of course, no purchase necessary. But what if you're listening to this after the sweepstakes has ended? Don't worry, we're actually partnering with a lot of the past authors on our podcasts to offer some free books for you guys. So while it may not be Aubrey's book, if you go to disruptors.fm slash giveaway, whatever is the most recent giveaway that we're doing now, if there's one that's currently running live, you can register to win right there. Again, that's disruptors.fm slash giveaway. And now let's get on with the episode. Without further ado, I give you David Orban. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. So, David, you were in blockchain really early. I saw 2010 investing in Bitcoin. Uh, 2011, 2010, yeah, whatever. The, the, you know, the, the exchange rate uh, with respect to the U.S. dollar was uh, really very, very low then. And, you well, know, as time, uh, you know, single digits or less than a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, it's funny because uh, I have been also very vocal about my belief that uh, Bitcoin will be important and blockchain with it uh, beyond Bitcoin too. And as I speak at a lot of conferences, I would tell people to get involved, to get their hands dirty. And uh, maybe a year later, somebody would come back and say, oh my God, David, I, I heard you tell me that I should do this and I didn't listen to you. Now it's too late. Bitcoin is $10. And then somebody would say, uh, you know, a year later, oh, my God, I wish I listened to you. Now it's too late. Bitcoin is $100. And then the, the same thing would happen at $1,000. And I'm sure uh, that uh, if uh, it is going to be at $100,000, there will still be people who are reluctant. Um, and, and, and a very sad uh, misunderstanding is that too few people realize that contrary to to how you buy shares on the on the stock market, you can buy uh, a fraction of a Bitcoin. You know, uh, fractional uh, uh, share trading is becoming a thing more and more. But with Bitcoin, there is no problem buying uh, ten dollars worth of Bitcoin, regardless of what is the value of the entire thing. Yeah, I think that's a that's a common misconception people have, and the spaces has gone a lot of ways. Um, so I'm sure if you invested early, you've probably made out really well, but you've probably sold some over the way. How How's your journey been in terms of watching the community grow? And I imagine watching your net worth go up. I am uh, very uh, proud of uh, the worst cars. Uh, I still am receiving the Japanese language bankruptcy notification uh, from the Mount Gox uh, Bruhaha, right? Uh, I invested in the Dow. Uh, $150 million uh, for a suite of smart contracts that were very, very ambitious to create a decentralized autonomous organization, the decentralized autonomous organization. And as it turns out, uh, a little too ambitious. Uh, At the time, and maybe it is still the case, we were not that good in writing smart contracts that would be bug-free. And there was a bug in the DAO smart contract suite that allowed somebody to to just take 50 million from the 100 million. And, uh, you know, when you discover a bug in in, in a product that uh, Google or Apple uh, ship and you let them know, they pay you a bug bounty, uh, maybe $100,000, sometimes $200,000 or even more. Well, it turns out we paid a $50 million bug bounty. It's kind of a big number. 
or even you know more recently as in 2017 uh, tokens and ICOs were the craze in terms of utility tokens and the next craze is already around the corner with security tokens uh, the people who uh, invested uh, at the with the expectation that in a very short amount of time they would uh, uh, be able to 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 gain uh, uh, multiple times what uh, what they invested were able to say they were smart if they sold uh, before January 2018, but uh, at any point after that, until uh, the date of our recording at the end of November 2018, things were just going down, 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 and down. But uh, uh, I have a long-term view. I have a thousand-year plan. I uh, allow myself to be frazzled by the little uh, accidents of, of, of our journey that are not only uh, unavoidable, they are, generally speaking, even desirable because nobody knows what are the sustainable business models and solutions that are going to be created in the blockchain world, which means that what we need to do as a community is to try the maximum number of possible solutions, including the ones that don't work unavoidably, right? So I feel just fine uh, as how things are going. I want to get in deeper into blockchain in a sec, but first I need to double click on something. You said you had a, a thousand year time horizon. Explain that and why so long. I could see having a hundred year time horizon, assuming humanity maybe will be living that much longer, but why a thousand years? That seems a bit too much. Well, um, I divide uh, the uh, age of the universe in three uh, chunks. Um, and, and I don't only mean the uh, semi-line that goes from today to back to the Big Bang. I mean the entire uh, duration. 13.7 billion years from Big Bang to today, uh, when a chunk of atoms, or actually two chunks of atoms, are talking to each other and uh, doing things, having dreams, uh, uh, big ambitions, or uh, just a desire to, to understand. Uh, and whether this lasts... Uh, 100 years or a million years, there will be uh, another period of time when uh, our respective uh, atom clouds are going to dissolve and uh, the universe will keep going, right? That is why I feel such a joy and, 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 and so much passion and curiosity about what is happening today because it really disappears in, a, in an eye blink uh, with respect to those uh, two incredibly long time horizons. Now, when I say a hundred years or a million years, actually, I mean it in the sense that I have friends, Obidra Gray or, or whoever else, who are working on uh, making the uh, human lifespan arbitrarily long. Uh, and uh, it is conceivable, whether in our biological form or in an alternative substrate, that uh, uh, our desire to understand the universe can continue. So uh, I think that a thousand years is relatively modest. But uh, if uh, you are curious, I can tell you what the plan is. I see. I see. I, I'm very skeptical of the thousand year time horizon, but I could definitely see both of us living for another hundred years, which in and of itself, most people would find fantastically improbable. I, I'm very skeptical as well of the substrate or the, the brain, aug um, not augmentation, essentially uploading your conscious to some type of device just because of how far we off 
are off from understanding what consciousness actually is. Well, but as I, well as the fact that, that it is natural for that guy not to be you, right? Maybe so. it is going to be conscious. Maybe it will take a million years before we are able to do that. Or we will stop caring and we will not even try to do it, even if it were possible. But if it were, you would look at the guy and, and maybe a little bit jealous as he goes and uh, uh, travels uh, among the stars. You are left behind on Earth and you say, mm, shock, that is not me. Well, for me, for me, I was going to say it's a bit like the story of heaven. You can say whatever you want to say, but there's no way to prove it. And if you can't prove or disprove something, it's not real. So if you can't prove or disprove that this person is you, you will never know. So it's not like it matters anyways, but it kind of does matter anyways. And we will have very pragmatic ways of understanding how our behaviors and social contracts uh, will have to adapt to a world where we will have multiple instances of the same people going around making decisions in a divergent, independent way from each other. You would be able, for example, to think a secret uh, uh, number and then realize that the carbon copy walking around of you knows that secret number. And uh, if you grew up in a society that had uh, those kinds of rituals, for you, it would be very easy to actually nod and say, but yeah, that guy is me. The uh, profound shifts uh, in, in society happen because of uh, technology. And uh, the saying, uh, uh, nihil novum sub sole, there is nothing new under the sun, can be true for certain periods of time, but over longer periods of time is absolutely false. And sometimes there are moments in the history of the world and of the universe where things actually accelerate. And uh, this uh, between the 20th and the 21st century is one of those amazing uh, moments where Keplerian relativism actually doesn't hold. You know, it's not that we could say, oh, you drop a pebble on the, on the timeline and wherever it stops, well, things are going to be more or less the same. Sometimes, yes. Uh, if you were born uh, uh, in the Middle Ages, you would be a farmer, your father would be a farmer, your child would be a farmer, and you would not be able to observe any change, statistically speaking, around you. But uh, as uh, our grandparents and parents uh, tell us, and we are experiencing in person, uh, things are uh, truly changing uh, in, in this period of time. Well, it's exponential innovation. It takes forever to build up, but then it changes in an instant. And when you layer exponential technologies like we have now, suddenly you have something that is, in my mind, unpredictably, explosively accelerating. And, and, and that unpredictability is important because, uh, you know, when I uh, meet uh, startups and I try to help uh, entrepreneurs uh, uh, achieve their dreams, or uh, when I am invited to help uh, uh, boardrooms at uh, corporations uh, dictate the right kind of strategy to their management. Well, the Soviet-style five-year plan or the business plan that the startups uh, painstakingly put together to tell investors that they know what they are going to do three years hence is just completely delusionary, exactly because of the interaction uh, of the rapidly changing uh, environment where each component 
is uh, immersed uh, in uh, not only its own dynamic, but in a noisy environment where um, it is it is impossible, uh, genuinely impossible to predict the outcomes. Uh, that is why to go back uh, to the world of blockchain, the role of regulators is uh, so hopelessly um, impossible. It's a thankless job because uh, they are appointed or elected to uh, do something that uh, nobody can do, including them, to understand before the fact what the implications of these new technologies are going to be. And uh, most of the time, uh, they cannot afford to be honest enough to say they don't know. I think there's an even larger problem, especially in the blockchain side, and that's you have to get the incentives right initially or everything is screwed. If we were to try to create a game of Monopoly and for some reason there was one little flaw, one little bug, that bug becomes the defining characteristic that transforms the future of the game. That's why I think governance is incredibly important with blockchain. But even then, it may not be enough if the system's not set up optimally. Yes and no. I absolutely agree that governance uh, uh, is now becoming a digital technology. And uh, finally, you know, when uh, Winston Churchill quipped that democracy is the worst kind of government except every other kind, uh, we thought that the old guy was joking. Uh, he wasn't. He... Uh, he, he, he was challenging us and we let him down for the next uh, 80 plus years. And only now we are courageous enough or starting to be. And we have uh, hopefully the ability to produce the thought leaders that can imagine with the help of technology, new technology, alternatives that are better suited to the needs of the 21st century. But uh, blockchain evolves too. Uh, there is nothing that stops uh, projects updating their code, including the governance of the code. And it happens. We call it forking, uh, soft forking, hard forking, Bitcoin cash. Uh, and I welcome all those crazy experiments. Just as tokens, uh, I, I don't uh, deny that there are shrewd scammers that jump on the bandwagon uh, without any uh, intention of executing on their plans after they get uh, the money. Uh, but um, today, everybody's put uh, uh, in the same cauldron. Uh, and uh, just because the market is dragging down the exchange rates of all of the tokens, it doesn't mean that an honest team uh, doesn't passionately want to do what they want to do. Uh, and given the uh, circumstances, now it is, it's harder, but they are still uh, keeping at it. So uh, that is why I am really um, optimistic about abil our ability to um, quickly evolve uh, the uh, uh, governance systems that uh, will um, give rise uh, to uh, robust uh, code uh, that uh, will be used to run our civilization. I think, I think there's a very apt metaphor, and that would be religion and theology. If you look at the history of religion, we've had a couple of religions, primarily Judaism, Islam, then we had Christianity, which was Catholicism, then we split off and have Protestantism, and then we split off to a hundred little sects. And they all hate each other because they believe something slightly different. They all are trying to kill each other. There's wars. You have fighting. And you see, if you look into the history of most of the founders or a lot of the founders of these religions, a lot of them did it for less than ideal circumstances. I think you can metaphorize that or analogize that very well to what we see right now in blockchain. We have people with good ideas, others splitting off to start their own things, possibly for good ideas, more often than not for monetary gain. And it creates a situation where you have a lot of hatred and infighting between different 
different rivaling parties. I mean, we've seen that with Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. We've seen that with a shit ton of the forks. How do you think about the future of Bitcoin and blockchain so that it doesn't suffer from the same things that religion does? Um, well, uh, I think that the analogy is funny, but uh, very rapidly uh, becomes uh, inapplicable exactly because the uh, dogmatic approach uh, of religions where uh, it is uh, not only impossible, but uh, blasphemous to uh, check uh, what their tenets are, um, we can and we are constantly checking whether certain uh, blockchain uh, systems, uh, uh, both in terms of uh, uh, what, uh, what their algorithms are, what their governance system is, what uh, kind of developer ecosystem they support, uh, what is the quality of the people and their ability and resilience as they are involved. Well, the, the fact that blockchains have very clear economic implications naturally uh, tests their viability in a feedback loop that uh, religions didn't have. So the evolution of blockchains is much faster. People who have a naturalistic uh, worldview can uh, flock to blockchains without having to give up their independent thought. It is not an act of submission. Uh, uh, it is not a one-way street. Uh, uh, if you want to exit uh, a given blockchain camp, uh, nobody hopefully will come and try to kill you. Um, yeah, I am optimistic about blockchain. I, I have been uh, speaking at conferences for all these years, uh, uh, and I have been ending uh, my talks uh, often uh, with uh, uh, an image about a future. I was uh, telling, hey, you know, I'm involved with Singularity University, have been for 10 years, and uh, I have friends who have created startups that are designing the, the infrastructure and the and, and the crafts uh, to mine the asteroid belt. So imagine in 30 years, we will have swarms of intelligent robots who will need the economic transactions uh, to move material, uh, buy fuel, get access to bandwidth for communication, and among themselves to arrive to the right kind of consensus. So, yeah, absolutely. You are right. You have been sitting here at this conference skeptical, but 90% what I was saying, because you say, uh, well, we have banknotes, we have credit cards, we have checkbooks. What is this uh, blockchain anyway? So tell me, are those robots going to use checkbooks, banknotes, or credit cards to do the things that they've got to do? And for me, it is absolutely evident that none of that will uh, uh, be adequate. And something like what we call today blockchain and Bitcoin and whatever else is going to be used. And uh, it is uh, uh, already visible, in my opinion, that uh, uh, even, even on, on Earth, uh, the economy is getting decoupled by the mere assumption that people are buying and consuming stuff. And that is what the economy is about. We have an urgent need to rethink uh, uh, how uh, our ever-expanding understanding of, of the world and the universe can be compatible with uh, the physical limits uh, of the planet. And we are able to do so progressively uh, using uh, technology. And one of the technological implications of, of uh, these trends is that nano transactions among machines are going to constitute the next quadrillion dollars 
of uh, added wealth in the world economy. Um, and and uh, there are a lot of things that we, we can hardly imagine today, but uh, in the next 10, 20 years will become a daily part of our lives. Oh, absolutely. You've got autonomous vehicles. You need to go faster than someone else. You have make micro payments to the cars in front of you to move over so that you can pass them more quickly. There, there's a ton of implications. Do you see the future? And And I want you to answer this as a realist, not as an optimist, because I think we both have the same view as a, as an optimist that we would like to see blockchains remain decentralized. But do you think the future of blockchains, specifically the ones that get used primarily for payments and replacing the payment systems of the world, do you think those will be centralized either under governments or companies, or do you think they'll be decentralized? So um, the incumbent industry and regulatory systems of finance uh, are in panic as demonstrated by the conscious decision of the state of New York to make it so that it would stop being the financial center of innovation of the world. They passed a few years ago the so-called bit license that makes it extremely hard, uh, extremely expensive to create and maintain and, and make uh, compliant from a regulatory point of view uh, a blockchain startup that is in the world of payments competing with banks. Comparatively, today it is more expensive to do that than not opening a bank 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, this kind of excessive regulatory reaction is similar to your uh, immune system uh, if you are allergic to nuts that is ready to kill you rather than having you eat one. And uh, at the same time, uh, if we believe that these uh, shifts are unstoppable, you can certainly accelerate or slow down the, the, the pace of uh, adoption of certain technologies in society, but you cannot call yourself out. Um, the current system has uh, some important uh, uh, flaws. Uh, for example, uh, China could uh, very easily say, that uh, um, it is uh, illegal to export uh, the uh, cards uh, that are used for uh, Bitcoin mining. And uh, they are, if, if they do that, uh, the, the people building those cards would not stop building them, but they would be deployed uh, only within mainland China. And uh, that would unavoidably skew the, uh, um, the Bitcoin network uh, uh, mining operation to have uh, an excessive concentration in, in China. And, and that is why. Why do you think they haven't done, why do you think they haven't done that? They uh, underestimate uh, uh, how uh, disruptive Bitcoin is going to be. Two, three years ago, both uh, China and, uh, and Russia were very proud that uh, they were about to sign uh, legislation that would prohibit Bitcoin. And then they realized that they cannot prohibit mathematics, right? Uh, but but uh, today they are still living under the assumption that uh, they, they, can, uh, they can control or, or, or mitigate its, uh, its disruption. In the U.S. is the same thing, uh, where the latest uh, enforcement activity by the SEC is making uh, software developers culpable for the code they write, even when this code is running autonomously. Uh, and and uh, so they find a kind of a choke point in order to be able to control what is uh, going on, what is uh, allowed, what is not allowed. I would not be surprised for a Supreme Court case uh, to be heard uh, soon, where the question is going to be uh, whether code as uh, free speech uh, is protected under the First Amendment uh, uh, in the case of then code executing autonomously in, in a somewhat uh, similar way like uh, Citizens United uh, protected uh, 
free speech by corporations for giving donations to political parties. Uh, now, I'm not saying that there are easy solutions. I did say just uh, before that regulators have a, an impossible job. But uh, I was in Malta uh, a few weeks ago at the introduction of the comprehensive digital ledger technology framework by the Maltese uh, uh, government and met uh, the Minister of Finance. And they were uh, very excited uh, to be able to replicate the success they've had for um, the correct and delicate management of a technology like uh, online gaming, where they've been successful for the past 15 years, and apply that experience to the world of, uh, of blockchain too. To think realistically, I would say a couple of points for that. I would never underestimate the Chinese government. I think that's incredibly dangerous. If I've seen any government that's willing to think further out and seems to be, if not always ahead of the curve, rapidly accelerating past the curve once they realize they're behind. I think I would see most governments around the world, if they see that blockchain becomes or is going to become an eventuality, which I think a lot of countries will. Some are doing that now. Sweden's already working on potentially implementing their own crypto style currency that the, the government controls. It would be a bit like the it would be a bit like the Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat deal. Snapchat had a great product, kids loved it. Facebook had the audience, copied the product. Now everyone uses Instagram instead of Snapchat. I see something. Unfortunately, I, I would not like that. I would like for cryptocurrencies and blockchain to remain decentralized and part of the people to get rid of some of the inherent issues with today's system. But I don't see that happening. I see governments essentially corrupting or stealing the movement and saying, okay, this is the new US dollar and it's it's uh, cryptographically based. And here are the rules. More or less, the rules are exactly the same as the US dollar, although it's done via micropayments and much smaller amounts so that you're able to have that flexibility while also still having the backing of the government. Blockchain is not the only technology that is pointing in a certain direction, whether nation states are happy with that or not. It is part of a very broad trend, uh, I believe, and that is the fundamental thesis of Network Society, the group of in initiatives that uh, several years ago I, I founded, uh, that uh, there is a, a fundamental phase transformation in our socio-economic organization underway, and that this transformation is supported by technologies that are maturing and that make the transformation unstoppable. And uh, I have identified eight uh, uh, uncorrelated uh, industrial economic sectors where they, we already have technologies and examples very, very powerfully and robustly uh, uh, making, making headway. Uh, solar technology in uh, energy, uh, digital manufacturing, uh, hydroponics, uh, synthetic meat, peer-to-peer um, -peer health, uh, personalized health, peer-to-peer uh, -peer learning, um, uh, trust networks uh, like Airbnb and Uber that, in my view, don't compete with hospitality or transportation. They actually compete with police because they uh, support uh, a kind of uh, uh, natural interaction and experience on a worldwide basis that is really uh, different than what uh, has been possible before. Um, the um, biggest challenges are certainly in finance uh, being disrupted by, by blockchain and by the governance uh, systems that need to be uh, updated and upgraded as well. I do believe that uh, we have the opportunity to give people all around the world the ability to learn 21st century life design skills 
that will empower them to be an active participant uh, in our civilization rather than feeling uh, left out or uh, uncomprehending how to decode uh, what uh, is happening uh, around them. And uh, at Network Society, we are actually building a suite of applications that uh, are going to enable uh, everybody to, to do exactly that, together with dozens of uh, partner projects. Uh, and uh, we are granting uh, tokens, both uh, Network Society tokens and the partner tokens, uh, to um, uh, make sure that uh, uh, as they provably learn uh, what they uh, want to do, um, they hit the ground running. Uh, this is actually phase uh, one of the Network Society master plan. I think there's one danger when it comes to belief or desire for something. And I think the analogy, again, holds holds well with religion. So personally, I really want the vision of the world that you have to be what happens with the world. I think a world where we have a more decentralized government, where we get rid of a lot of the governmental and financial-based, essentially, corruption around the world and have a more unified civilization is the direction we need to be going. It's not A, the direction I feel like we're going. I feel like we're very much going in the opposite direction. And B, I think it suffers from the same thing at the at the belief. It, it's the same problem as when you go and buy a Ford Focus and suddenly you see everyone that has Ford Focus. You're looking for something because you've consciously identified it. Now, when you believe in something, not only are you looking for examples of that, you're also looking for examples that disprove the other theories. So I believe you, I want what you're saying to happen. And yet I don't feel it despite the added the added uh, psychological triggers that would make me want to believe that. And I think a lot of people in blockchain and a lot of people in startups in general suffer from that blockchain, especially though. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. We have been told that mega corporations and larger and larger aggregations of nations, the European Union, NAFTA, the United Nations are going to dominate the planet from an economic and from a political point of view. And that is not the case. It is very idealistic according to the worldview of those who feel that a hierarchical structure can decide what is right for everybody else. But we have examples already of, of how that is not what it is happening. I've been in India in a McDonald's and McDonald's even though it is one of the most successfully systematized uh, uh, companies in terms of how they do what they do, never dreamed of uh, serving ground-up sacred cows uh, in their buns. They have vegetarian hamburgers and chicken hamburgers, uh, breaking the homogeneity of their offering. Um, the European Union has this concept of devolution, where every decision must be made at the lowest possible level. In Italy, where I'm uh, speaking to you from today, uh, a lot of things are not decided by the Italian government, but are decided uh, by the regional governments, including health, education, important things that impact uh, everybody's life on the ground. So I, I think that uh, uh, we are not running the danger of uh, just waking up one day and, and, and realizing that our world has been uh, reduced uh, to a small set of choices. And doesn't matter where we are, that set uh, doesn't change. And, and uh, since uh, we were born, uh, it is uh, going to be like that. And I uh, firmly support the view that uh, uh, a government 
is the expression of a society that is made possible by a technology. And then it can close the circle and ask itself, what are the implications and the applications of those technologies and how can we steer them in desirable directions? But uh, the strongest force is actually technology itself. Uh, when the Roman slaves were building the Colosseum, there was no alternative. If you went and asked one uh, if uh, his life was just, uh, he wouldn't have punched you. And then if you followed up, but do you see an alternative? After a second punch, he would have said, look around. Uh, if I refuse, I will be killed. And the next guy is going to move this rock. But this rock needs to go there. And we've got a Colosseum to build. And there is no alternative. And I don't know whether the building where you are speaking from today has uh, one story or or a hundred stories. But I bet it wasn't built by slaves. And similarly, there are uh, very strongly held views about society today that will be as laughably wrong as for someone to assume that our skyscrapers must be built by slaves. Um, let me give you a couple. Today, two things are completely outside of uh, uh, our degrees of freedom and our opportunities for choice. And these things are supremely important in so many things that go on in our lives. One of them is uh, your genetic makeup. And the other is the place where you are born and you become citizen of because of being born there. And both of these in a future society supported by novel technologies will become, will enter the sphere of uh, our sovereign decisions as individuals. Uh, and uh, no, uh, when you are two years old, you are not going to decide or for what your genetic makeup should be. And moving around freely on the planet will be implemented in a way that is compatible with the scarce geographical resources that we have available. Seven billion people is not going to fit in Manhattan, even if we wanted to let everybody go wherever they wanted anytime. But uh, it will be seen as barbaric that uh, today so many uh, people suffer because we don't have the technologies to improve their lives uh, and, and, and their defective genes. And it will be seen as barbaric that uh, whether education or health or, or uh, purpose is restricted because you've been born in a geographical location that uh, doesn't uh, give you those opportunities. And I agree with you in a lot of your worldviews. A big part of the reason I'm pushing you on this is because I want to see that future happen. And I think that when people have these type of conversations, it goes one of two ways, typically not this way. Typically, it's we're both very believing of the same thing and kind of spouting off about how great the world will be. Or we're both very cynical and we're hopping on Fox News and saying how the future, uh, the past used to be better. Keep and I think pushing, it, keep pushing. Let's I fight. Think it's Let's valuable. fight. I like yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to take a quick time out to tell you guys about today's show sponsor, Carta. As a founder, investor, a startup employee, you know that most of the wealth in the tech industry, it comes from equity. It's not from salary. But how you manage equity, how we manage equity, it's broken. It can be complicated to figure out who owns how much of a startup and to share that important information and documents between companies and VCs. And for VCs to see how investments are performing real time, that's incredibly important for raising your next fund. Many investors and companies still use spreadsheets, paper certificates, and slow-moving service providers to keep that kind of information on hand and to share with prospective investors. These tools and services that are used to manage equity, they're dated, they're slow, 
And it's funny given that VCs and CEOs are the ones creating the future. Picardo fixes the cap table equity management problem. They offer cap table management, valuations, full service fund administration, all in one platform. More than 600,000 employee shareholders from companies and VCs at firms like Slack, Coinbase, Flexport, August Capital, Founders Fund, all these guys and more, they use Carta to manage hundreds of billions of dollars in equity. To simplify how you manage equity, use Carta. Get 10% off today at carta.com slash syndicate. It'll help you with simplifying the cap table, which will make it easier for you to raise money as a startup and easier for investors to get on board. Carta.com slash syndicate. How do we get to that world right now when it feels like everything is becoming more isolationist? And I know part of that is essentially a sine curve. Things go up and down. We're reactionary creatures. But how do we move towards that, use technology, and change society in a way for the better going forward? One of the most important things that we can and must tell everybody is that they matter. As individuals, their views, their suffering, their uh, aspirations really matter independently of their beliefs uh, or, or their decisions or political affiliations. We can't tell people that, uh, that they are stupid, that uh, whatever they think is, is worthless. Uh, ISIS is a fantastic answer for people who give up hope and who say, you uh, can't tell me that I don't have any impact. I will show you the impact I have. And, and uh, they are. People are ready to die to show that they matter, right? So why don't we uh, embrace differences in opinions, but start from building the confidence for people to look at the world and the future uh, in a manner that sees them protagonists, that gives them the tools uh, to make informed choices. Um, and, and, and of course, there are extremely shrewd operators who thrive uh, on uh, the condition of millions of people who are easily manipulated because their critical faculty is not supported by uh, tools that they can use and access uh, and, and, and they go with the flow, right? And they don't check the sources and they jump on the bandwagon of a, a very uh, attractive and addictive message uh, and uh, don't look back. Or when they look back and say, oh my God, uh, I, I, I voted Brexit, but I didn't realize what I was doing. Can we vote again? No, sorry, that was it. You already voted. Uh, and, and, and by the way, Brexit is incredible. Brexit, I, I hate it. I hate it. But isn't it incredible? 150 years ago in the United States, a bunch of Americans said they wanted to secede. And regardless of the reason of slavery or whatever else, the others said, what? What do you want to do? I'd rather kill you than let you secede. Uh, and that's what they did. Civil war. We don't have a constitution for the European Union, unfortunately, because the attempts to create one were voted down by the Czech Republic and the Netherlands. So what uh, the European Union has is the so-called Lisbon Treaty, which is a 600-page monstrosity uh, rather than a slim and inspiring constitution. But 
hidden in the Lisbon Treaty, there is Article 50, which the United Kingdom invoked. And it is the first time in the history of civilization where an entity, a, a political entity, is confident enough to say, we think we are doing the right things, but if you don't want to belong, you're free to go. Nobody will kill you. And there is no war as of right now between the EU and, and, uh, and the United States. There is no bloodshed. There is no fight. There is no... It's mind-blowing. It's fantastic. I think they are doing a stupid thing, and, and maybe they will uh, ask to rejoin the EU in another 50 years, or maybe it will turn out that those that uh, uh, felt uh, the UK should remain were wrong. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But the fact that they can do it without bloodshed and a war is fantastic. I think a big part of that, though, is because they're not economically subsidizing the rest of the EU. So, for instance, let's let's play a thought experiment out. What would happen if California decided to secede from the U.S.? This, there's been talk of this. It's probably not going to happen. And probably the reason is because the U.S. would essentially, hey, guess what? We have the bigger we have the bigger stick. Right. Uh, well, um, the, the, the U.S. Uh, um, Constitution doesn't allow uh, states uh, to secede. Um, so until uh, the U.S. Constitution is uh, amended to allow that, uh, California can do whatever political uh, circus, uh, but it will be empty theater. It, the economic levers um, are certainly complex, and just because the uh, UK may be out of uh, the EU in a few months, it doesn't mean that the interflow of products and services will, will stop. Uh, maybe it will be harder, there will be uh, taxes and tariffs uh, that weren't uh, there before, but uh, uh, the, the, the physical island is not uh, going to become an autocracy that uh, stops trading uh, uh, with the rest of the world. Not even uh, North Korea is uh, isolated economically. Not even Cuba uh, is isolated economically, let alone the UK. It, it reminds me a bit of Catalonia. So uh, my wife and I spent a few months in Barcelona and on her birthday, we were going somewhere and accidentally realized that it was uh, the Catalonian Independence Day and ended up in the middle of a mass protest with helicopters flying overboard. A few months later, they decided to vote in Catalonia for independence, which the Spanish government cracked down on. You see videos of the police beating the shit out of protesters, kicking them, tackling them. And I think that you would see this in a lot of places. I think cities are gaining power significantly versus countries. The vast majority of the economy in Spain comes from the Catalonia region, Barcelona in particular, the US, you have New York, you have San Francisco, you have LA, you've got a couple of the, the cities in uh, Texas, etc. And you see it around the world, these mega cities that are driving the future. Do you see cities ultimately replacing or in some way subjugating the, the governments, the nation states of today? Uh, phase two of the Network Society Master Plan in 10 years, more or less, uh, or, or sooner, is going to be when the number of users of our Nets app uh, uh, suite is going to be uh, in large enough numbers that uh, we can turn on something that they suspected, they started to understand, the uh, political agency that participating in the network uh, endows those users. 
And uh, whether we call it voting or polling or whatever else, it doesn't matter. What matters is our products and services provided through that kind of mechanism going to be more convenient uh, or or uh, uh, richer whatever is 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 the uh, axis that we measure uh, uh, the, the the implications on if i choose because i was in trouble in in bangkok not to go to the consulate of the country of my citizenship for help but i f- tap on my phone or whatever the device is going to be maybe implanted in my brain in 10 years. And what today we would call magically help appears out of the network. Uh, that is the moment when the nation state can keep doing its thing, you know, the parliaments, the elections, and of course paying taxes because yes, they've got the guns, but the uh, evolution of our social contract is going to be rapidly decoupling uh, from, from, uh, from their decisions. And cities represent uh, the initial nodes of this network um, to the point where uh, uh, Bloomberg, the former mayor of uh, New York, created an organization interconnecting 40 of the largest cities who have challenges that move them closer to each other than not to their respective countries in terms of how to face uh, the future. Would you see some let's let's play the let's play the scenario I got out again. Let's say something like this was to happen. Blo- Bloomberg's a great leader when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Would it be possible in your opinion for several US states or for a number of cities in some type of nation state grouping to secede from the US or from other countries peacefully within the next five, 10 years? No, and it doesn't matter. It is not even desirable because we will build um, infrastructure and superstructure that is one, practically invisible uh, or uh, uh, unfathomable to the nation state. And, And two, makes us uh, coexist uh, with those that don't don't see it, but on a on a completely different plane. Let me give you an example. Imagine that I I, I live in a in a in an independent house, uh, and um, at the gate I have a very nimble and eager robotic arm. And as I eat, um, you know, um, I don't know, a Mars bar. I've never eaten a Mars bar, but uh, 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 I, I am I am a dirty know nothing. And then I throw the, the the package, right? And the robotic arm catches it and, and and looks at it and analyzes it. And already, as it is analyzing the piece of garbage that I created, it is summoning a self-driving vehicle whose carrying capacity is proportional to the piece of garbage. Uh, maybe it comes in a minute. Maybe it comes in an hour. Doesn't matter. They already are negotiating the nano transaction. Maybe it's half a cent. Maybe it's uh, a tenth of a cent. The self-driving vehicle takes over the the piece of garbage, and this happens maybe during nighttime when the robotic arm sifts through the garbage can. Maybe it happens continuously. Maybe the road is a river of these self-driving minuscule supply systems. But on one hand, the circular economy created by this totally eliminates the concept of waste, which in nature doesn't exist. It is a completely uh, stupid uh, correlate of our ignorance about how to uh, manage our economy. Um, And 
transaction by transaction, by the very fact of living in my home, I finance it, right? So, oh, and of course, the nanotransaction between the robotic arm and the self-driving thing is blockchain, duh, right? Mm -hmm. So, so can something like this happen? Maybe the numbers are wrong, uh, you know, no, I won't finance my house, but I would just de diminish the, 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 the cost uh, uh, each month or whatever it is. doesn't matter. It is absolutely possible. Uh, is this something that we need a nation state in order to develop it? No, no. And there will be other things that nation states are also going to be totally incapable of, of, of deciding about. And that is phase three of the Network Society Master Plan. As we continue developing this beautifully rich tapestry of human-machine interactions, a hybrid civilization that is colonizing Mars, that uh, uh, is uh, uh, placing outposts uh, on uh, Ganymede uh, or the asteroid belt, it is so evident that uh, uh, the biological, environmental, economical, and social adaptation needed on those different places uh, are, are not going to be under a hierarchical system where the rules are centrally designed and decided. They are going to live uh, very differently from, from each other. I wrote uh, an essay a few years ago that the uh, Mars colony could be uh, financed uh, uh, on, on the blockchain. And of course it could. Uh, actually, we have today the fake Elon Musk's uh, saying, uh, give me uh, uh, Ether and I will give you many Ether back. Uh, and uh, there are so many that uh, doing it now it would be even hard because of uh, outcrowding the real Elon Musk that could do it. But um, then Mars is going to declare their independence by seeding their own blockchain. The genesis block of the Martian blockchain is going to represent symbolically, but also concretely, their independence, interdependence too, from, from Earth. And this hybrid civilization is going to saturate uh, the, the solar system, and that is going to take 100 years, uh, more or less, um, uh, biological humans will uh, be part of it in a proportion that uh, uh, we could feel frighteningly small uh, today. Uh, you know, the number of humans may uh, move uh, from rounding it up 10 billion to 100 billion, but the number of uh, smart machines, uh, whether self-aware or not, doesn't matter, will be, you know, probably something like six order of magnitude more than, than humans, a million machines per, per human. And um, the decisions will have to be taken by consensus. And that is uh, phase four of the Network Society Master Plan. How do we arrive to the next uh, level of consensus in a thousand years or less to uh, decide that we must uh, uh, devote a pretty large proportion of uh, the energy budget of the solar system in order to answer the Fermi paradox? Uh, are we alone in the universe or not? And independently from uh, the answer, uh, embark on the next uh, phase of the journey, but uh, I am uh, uh, humble enough not to have a fifth uh, phase of the master plan, so I will leave that out. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a black hole. It's an event horizon. It's hard to predict beyond. So, in terms of in terms of post Earth or not post Earth, but other other celestial colonies, places, etc. To, to clarify, you think everything will be some type of decentralized democracy? Well, uh, Aristoteles uh, uh, actually, uh, or maybe it was even Plato, 
had politeia as uh, uh, the well-functioning uh, government and democracy was actually a deformation and deterioration of, of that. Uh, and uh, many of us are very unhappy with the outcomes that uh, democratic processes are producing. You know, uh, we wish certain elections would have been the product of frauds. <laughs> it is so despairing that they were not. Because we look at our fellow members of society and we go like, oh my God, how can you vote like that, right? Uh, no, I really believe that we will produce uh, uh, social systems and uh, as a consequence, political systems and as a consequence, governments and governance that will be much better than not what uh, today's representative uh, democracy uh, the world over. Definitely. I was What I was going to say is I imagine different colonies will have different political structures. Oh, so yeah. I, they, I they're can, not going to be all China, the same. The Chinese system will definitely be something that is very prevalent, I would imagine, because of the nature of living in space. So we had we had someone on the program, I think it was Eric Ward, and it was he was talking a bit about the differences between living on Earth and living in space. Living in space, the rules have to be so set in stone because if you have someone who, for whatever reason, decides not to contribute, they're wasting air, they're wasting precious resources. Eventually, you have to have that conversation. When do we throw this sucker out? And uh, love it. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to be in the company of those utilitarian maximalists. I do believe that wasting time, being bored, uh, daydreaming are extremely important human activities. And whether I do it on Earth or uh, in space, I use air. And uh, just because we don't measure it, uh, the amount of air on Earth is not unlimited here. So uh, according to that guest, I could be justified keep being kicked off from Starship Earth. Um, but uh, I don't uh, feel that it is going to be a problem at the beginning. Absolutely. It is very hard to imagine that uh, that a space colony at the, at the beginning, beginning wouldn't be almost militaristic, right? Uh, uh, of course. And, and uh, a lack of resilience and discipline and uh, persistent performance at peak um, is going to, you know, mortally imperil the entire colony uh, if, uh, if, if it becomes, uh, you know, not even prevalent, but if, if more than just a tiny, tiny fraction uh, of, of those who are there uh, go, go about uh, their daily chores like that. And uh, I don't know how long this is going to last because we are not going to have uh, uh, space colonies that uh, depend on human performance. It, it, just, it just wouldn't work exactly because our reliability is so low. Uh, yeah, we have all kinds of error correcting mechanisms, but we cannot afford to build in uh, the, the system the expectation that some people will just simply go crazy. And if the breakdown of the colony is uh, such that that too many people go crazy, and for example, we, we are still as ignorant as today about how to stop them from happening or cure them effectively, uh, expecting peak performance forever from everybody is just not going to work. So that is why sustainable space colonies are only going to work already when uh, the balance of uh, machine agents to human agents is maybe not uh, a million to one, but probably a thousand to one. Because yes, uh, we know how to build them to be pretty reliable and uh, 
at least for now, they don't uh, complain about working too long hours or having to daydream rather than um, digging dirt. So we haven't built these systems, both politically, economically, socially, or engineering materials-wise currently. Is it fair to say that trying to expand to to Mars, expand to the moon colony now, would be like taking an average Joe off the couch and trying to get him to run an Iron Man? He's trying to do something impossible because he's never done it before and it's destined to fail? Well, it's guaranteed that we are destined to fail. Uh, until we are succeeding. And uh, if we cannot afford to fail, we will never succeed. We will be when we are pushing ourselves uh, to meet and exceed our limits. And uh, we don't know whether the time is right or we need another couple of hundred years before it succeeds, uh, whatever uh, we are attempting. For example, uh, a Martian colony. Uh, When Leonardo designed the helicopter, he had to wait 500 years before uh, metallurgy and and aerodynamics uh, could enable us to to prove him right. Um, uh, Others were luckier, and uh, maybe within their lifetime, their incredible invention was was realized. So, uh, yeah, we we have a gazillion things that uh, we don't understand and will go wrong. Um, But one of the huge benefits uh, of a self-sustaining Martian colony is going to be to be able to uh, live better on Earth. The externalities that we are happily ignoring uh, in uh, our luxurious uh, Western-style lives that are now happily uh, and deservedly embraced in India, China, and Africa, uh, why shouldn't they eat meat or uh, have uh, heating or cooling or use plastic? Uh, uh, the fact that we are pretending that they are culpable and we are not is extremely uh, hypocritical. And and mm. and uh, but 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 we will learn completely sustainable ways of living thanks to the Martian colonies and the level of luxury that they will actually gain through the technologies that are going to be necessary, otherwise they will not survive, will be admired on Earth. And initially, maybe Mars is going to have us pay 10 times what they cost because they will want, of course, to, uh, to, uh, to profit from their development, and they should. And then uh, Earth will be transformed. You know, just an example, on Mars, we will have uh, synthetic meat and uh, hydroponics. There's no way around it. You know, we will not have cows grazing on the fields. One of the implications of hydroponics and synthetic meat that we already know, because we are already uh, in those technologies, is that they consume 10 times less resources in terms of energy, water, soil, than traditional industrial agriculture. But what a lot of people don't realize is that they all transform food production from that is uh, growing in proportion uh, to the area occupied in thing that uh, in proportion with the volume available. So in years, discovered local eczema for a lot of cool things. You know, our eyes are incredible. No, they are not the best eyes possible, but uh, they see as they need to. And uh, our brains are as they can be so that we can be born. Uh, and they do amazing things. These local maxima in 4 billion years exceed life, not more than a couple of kilometers down or up from the surface. Uh, it is a very thin crust uh, on the planet. But through this transformation, we'll be able to expand the biosphere orders of magnitude. And yeah, dollar energy that we need to do that is available a thousandfold. 
So it will be an important lesson of the Martian colonies will literally die for adopting because if it wouldn't, then it would die. I think your order of operations is wrong. I think it'll definitely before it happens on Mars and then Mars will implement the effective systems. But but other than that, I, I would agree. It's just typically if I need to test a scuba tank, I don't test the scuba tank underwater. I test it above her first. Correct. But we, but of course, we'll, we'll see how it happens. And there will be different innovation that first on forced on the Martians. I think like clean meat, hydroponics, et cetera. We need to have those affected before we try to pull them off in the wild. What, uh, what technologies outside of the ones we've talked about today are you most interested in or excited about and why? I believe in the scientific method. And I believe in the evolution of scientific method. You know, if after fintech and rec, then whatever tech, uh, is there a startup funding group that talks about site? There should be. Because the methods of science are practiced today are not, they can evolve much better. For example, a lot of scientists, rats, write rent applications, uh, justifying how their money, crossing their fingers that uh, their colleagues or patients are not going to fight them while they are going to try and do science. Uh, the reproducibility of scientific results is uh, pretty abysmal. Uh, negative results uh, are completely undesirable, even though we uh, pretend uh, to maintain that nature is neutral and whatever answer it gives to our questions are equally worthy. Well, no, that is not exactly how it goes, because if you go back a year later and you tell to the grant-making organization that uh, what you expected didn't happen, they will not give you the same amount of money saying, wow, well done, go and try again. That is not how it works, right? And, and the reason why uh, this is uh, uh, unfortunate is because we have so much to understand. You know, uh, Gödel's theorem proves that uh, the universe is an unending quest of constant exploration. Uh, when you have an undecidable statement in mathematics, you are entitled to take either true or false and add it to your platform as a new X to extend it. And then the applications of that extension are actually exploring the universe. It's almost uh, uh, because you love uh, uh, religious uh, analogies, as if uh, we would say uh, at the beginning was the word. Because the statement and the decision that we make uh, around it opens up the universe in a given direction. Rather, now, what this means that science is unnecessarily constrained, and we may need to go faster in answers to existential important questions. We have to be courageous enough to embrace heterodox. And that is why I am investing and supporting and and advising projects that are possible. And, you know, I try to uh, separate scammers and, and the self-deluded madman from extremely passionate and, and skilled scientists who are swimming against the flow. Official science says that earthquakes uh, uh, are impossible to forecast. And one of the companies I'm supporting is uh, forecasting through a novel uh, natural phenomenon uh, an hour in advance. Science is uh, that uh, uh, room temperature fusion atomic nuclei is impossible. And I am supporting uh, somebody who is exploring uh, those directions, while at the same time the EU is giving $40 billion for a project called ITER that uh, will try to prove uh, hot fusion within the next 20 years. 
the challenge of how to reassign funding in a manner that can explore forgotten corner of the universe in answers to exciting questions is technology by itself that we have to explore the possible. We can figure out what is possible. I think that's a I think that's a real place to start to wrap things up. I know you've got a ton going on. I need two last things from you before you tell people where to find you. The first is prediction on when that stage two happens of your of your uh, network transformation. I know it's probably hard to go further out than that. So what would you say? Well, the uh, reason I say 10 years or sooner is because I thought I had 10 years and I realized that I, I, uh, this is more urgent than ever before and we, we have to hurry up. So I expect that just as, you know, uh, William Gibson created the future is already here, but just not evenly distributed yet, we will have uh, experts in many different areas. And some of them are already ongoing. Bit is a blockchain project where I am an advisor. And BitNation already is issuing passports for a decentralized virtual digital nation. And the Nets app uh, application suite wants to teach people to take advantage of BitNation, of Sun Exchange, which does uh, sales where you can buy, sell. I love that company. And sit in a way uh, where it's uh, dark six months out of the year. You are living African sun in your digital wallet. Beautiful things. And, uh, and uh, in order to teach people how uh, their lives can be changed uh, positively by, by, by these, uh, is an urgent mission. And then tell them, you can act uh, consequently. So... I don't mind going out on a limb and say that uh, Rod and Ten is going to be, and then we can go back and uh, in uh, 2013, uh, 2023, whether I was right or wrong. Let's do it. I'll hold it. You help us get to it. What is one thing you would want to leave with? A quote, a call to action. It could be anything. My personal slogan is what is the question that I should ask? Information is more abundant than ever. Knowledge can be manipulated. Uh, we have to be critical and skeptical. Challenge me. Uh, I'm an optimist, uh, not because I decided so. My genetic makeup and my uh, natural environment made it so. But uh, there is no guarantee. Very well, be wrong. Uh, whether it's a nuclear war, the asteroid that we didn't uh, bother uh, setting up telescopes to catch early enough, uh, could uh, kill humanity. Right? I enjoy. Uh, the exploration of the opportunities we have. And, and, and I hope that not eight, but three or 800 billion minds are soon going to be uh, enjoying that uh, uh, and, and going everywhere. Uh, we are waking up the universe and uh, the uh, atoms that have been uh, unconscious, uh, not even sleeping for uh, 10 million years and more, are uh, one by one becoming part of a rich uh, tapestry of uh, thinking and, and passionate and creative uh, civilization. So I want uh, uh, your listeners to uh, uh, as excited about that uh, as I am and ask all the questions that they can. And make those, make those impacts. I like that. That's a great takeaway for people. What about the best find you? Website, Twitter, the good stuff? DaveOrban.com, David Orban on Twitter, David Orban on uh, uh, LinkedIn. On Facebook, I maxed out. Uh, I'm happy to add, but I cannot accept, uh, 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 even though I have a, like a page, right? So you can like my page or, 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 I'm extremely easy to Google. 
I like public conversations, so send me an email. Maybe I will respond. Hey, fantastic question. You debate it in, 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 in the open rather than me just respond to you, which doesn't benefit uh, many, many more. And uh, I hope that uh, our conversation will lead to those who watch it on YouTube or listen uh, to it on the various podcast platforms to indeed read out. I, I, I like that. That's the idea to inspire people to think different and also to push, to push guests to think a little different because sometimes, sometimes that's helpful. Usually awesome people doing incredible stuff. I think you qualify in that regard. Discourse.fm guys have all the links and good stuff there. Check out David and the stuff he's working on. But yeah, thanks for coming today, David. This was a fun one. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Hope you enjoyed. If you want more of The Disruptors, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to disruptors.fm, where you'll find tons of audio and video interview stories with leaders in the fields of genetics, cryptocurrency, longevity, AI, space, VR, and much, much more. You can also follow me on Twitter at MattWardIO. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a quick review on iTunes at disruptors.fm iTunes to help more people discover the podcast and help us make a bigger impact.